What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Panthers Nation Network. We took a bit of a hiatus in between seasons, as we always do. And of course, though, we knew this was coming, so we had to come back and give an emergency episode to break down the newest uh, the newest development in Panthers Nation, which is, of course, the hiring of Frank Reich as the full-time head coach. So we'll start. We'll go off of it. I'll give my, my two cents because, uh, you know, it's easy when you're a Panthers fan to be polarized by decisions. It's very easy. They do a lot of things that are either really good or really bad. So where you're able to have emotions. This one was a tough one because I feel like from the get go, you know, it was all right, Wilkes, Wilkes, Wilkes. And for me, it was always Wilkes, 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 especially after the fact, but you know, we saw the writing on the walls of some of the issues that Wilkes possessed as a head coach. But I personally thought that he did enough to garner getting the position full time, but I understood where some of the issues lied. The issues I had more so were with the fact that they said it was going to be a short list of people that they were going to be talking to, and they brought in a baker's dozen people to interview for the position, and when only two of them were defensive-minded, we knew that was probably not a good sign. If there was anyone that was going to get it outside of Wilkes, I begrudgingly say I was okay. I was happy with it being Reich. Beforehand, you know, I kind of, when I first heard of him as being a, a candidate, I was not okay with it because I thought that he had done not very well, at least in his time in Indianapolis. But then as I started to pour over some of the, you know, some of the recaps and some of the things about it, I I could see where it wasn't all necessarily his fault and where the pros outweighed the cons. So I'm sitting here, I was mad off the jump because I really wanted it to be, I, w- I really wanted to be Wilkes. He was, you know, more so of a hometown guy. I know Frank is too, but I thought he had more of the people behind him. And I thought he just did enough this season, honestly, I thought so to prove. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, I think it wasn't for the fact that rule did what rule does. I think Tepper would have fired off on the, uh, maybe the more, um, he would have fired off on maybe the more, you know, cost worthy decision. Cause I think Wilkes has maybe a, a, a lower floor, but we'll talk about that. Jason, what was your thoughts on it coming off the jump? You know, off the jump, you know, it was a very emotional, you know, I, I think I think you're very, I think everybody's aware about how I felt about Wilkes and how I was pushing for Wilkes and even who I wanted to come in as OC. So for me, it was an emotional situation. And then I had to take a step back and look at it from a 10,000 foot lens. And, and, and looking on it, you know, Tepper kept saying he wanted an offensive minded coach. You know, that was that was all he kept talking about. That's all you ever read about. If you were talking about tertiary news outlets, it was all about we need an offensive minded coach. We need an offensive guru. So when you, to your point, Jack, you just brought in a plethora of coaches that you brought in in the short slash huge list that you brought in. What was it? Two or three defensive coordinators, including Wilkes. Everybody else, everybody else is offensive minded. I think. I think. Moreover, I think um, from a holistic standpoint. The way I look at Reich is, to your point, if I had to pick somebody, I would have gone with him. We did not get a chance to to interview uh, Johnson out of out of De- out of Detroit, who I thought may have been somebody I may have leaned towards, if if at all. But outside of that, you know, the emotions are gone now, and now we can talk about the legitimacy of what Reich brings to the table. I think you know he does have a historical historical uh, significance. He is of the Jim Caldwell tree, which is quite ironic in the fact that we did interview Jim Caldwell too. So that's a whole nother concept in, within itself. So he is of the Caldwell tree. He's of the Dungey tree. So he has a good foundation. He has a Super Bowl ring. He's got 14 years of, 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 of NFL experience. 
He's been an OC, a QB coach. So, you know, you can only knock him so much. I think for the most part, me being a true fan, I wanted Wilkes. I felt like I was spurned in that. You know, the, the players came to bat for Wilkes. There were even old alumni, you know, pushing for Wilkes. So I think that that was the part that was really tough to swallow. Yeah, I mean, it. like I said, it's an emotional thing because it's always – when it comes to the Panthers – and most NFL organizations, it is an emotional thing, you know, and it had a different basis than, you know, a guy coming off of just just coming off to be an interim coach. You know, it, it was different than like, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Perry, Perry, what well, I remember what Perry's Perry name was. Fuel. Last, Perry, Fuel, thank Perry, Fuel. You, Perry Fuel, the last mm-hmm. interim head coach we have. You know, it's a different, it's a different bag of cats there. So, uh, so I think that that made it hurt a little more because you also just you you knew the history behind Wilkes and it was kind of indicative and kind of the same thing with Cam. You know, you wanted he had gotten you know in a bad spot where he was where he went, um, and you wanted him in his second term around to be successful with us and to continue to have that success. And he was doing so. Now, uh, you know, uh, Michael from Panthers Ranther, he he kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, and there was issues we had talked about. There was times on in, in a very Rivera in a Riveran way. He was a bit too conservative, uh, you know, in, in, in areas where he shouldn't have been. And that is tough for for Tepper because not only does he, he wants a conservative, not a conservative coach, he wants a, a surefire coach who's able to take those chances because you got to be able to put those things together, especially when you're a defensive coach. If you're an offensive coach being conservative, that is, you know, a whole different issue. But a defensive coach being conservative, I mean, the problem was, though, you know, you had as a defensive minded coach, we still had it was a very marginalizing stats when you have your offensive rushing records that we set, both also yards per, in a game. We had the franchise record, and I think it was 527, and it was 306 rushing yards, for, which is a franchise record as well. But then, in the same respect, if we weren't running for, if we didn't run the ball 40 times and get 200 yards, we lost the game. And that happened multiple times. And that's not something that you can continue to can continue to do. I think also in some we can talk about, I think honestly the playoff push did him a bit more harm than good when, when you got yeah, down to it. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think you gave a great point there. A great point there. A great point there. I think you're right. We look good going into the playoffs, but then when we got to the playoffs, it was much more of a stutter step. We didn't look as defined and as crisp as we had in a couple of the games, you know, uh, ending this season, you know, those things definitely played a factor in it too. I think you you coupled on a couple of things with that. I I would also say too, you know, when you look at Reich's kind of portfolio, you know, he was the one that helped Peyton Manning get his fourth MVP when he was up there with Caldwell as his QB coach. He, he, he he was the one that worked with Phillip Rivers. I his heyday in San Diego. So he does have, and that's what I'm saying. Like you were saying, like that was your second choice. So he does have that historical significance. I think, you know, four seasons with the coach as a head coach. We talk about his head coaching resume. Yeah, he had four seasons with them. They were three seasons above 500. They were one and two in the postseason. He had an 11-5 season. I think it was a 10-6 and six season. And then a 9-7 and a nine and seven season, I think, or something of, the, of that nature. So he does know how to coach. He does know how to get the uh the best play out of his guys he's known as a player's coach and a coach's coach so again you take the emotion out of it this isn't a bad hire it just wasn't the hire that the fan base wanted no and it wasn't the hire that you know 
we thought a lot of the players wanted either, and that's another thing that could be concerning. Now it came out, if the reports are to be believed, that a good amount of the team leaders went to Tepper and said they understood the reasoning behind the hire and they would back up Reich, and that speaks to, you know, how he is respected across the league and respected in what he does. So that makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, I'm just, it, it makes me feel a little bit better about Tepper's decision-making. You know, I think he wanted, it, it was almost like I said, it's an overcorrection almost from what you had with rule. Mm. And I think that served to, you know, be, I think that served to be crucial and against, against, you know, Wilkes is that the fact that he was going to overcorrect because he had been burned so badly by rule that he didn't want to make a similar decision and make a similar mistake. So he went with the guy who was more proven and, um, who was more proven and had more to do. So that's where I am a bit better. You know, I'm, I'm just happy he didn't give, you know, throw the bank at Sean Payton. Cause no matter what, I don't think there's anything that he brings to the table that was worth giving up that much to a rival organization, especially from a business standpoint. I think there was no rhyme or reason to do that, especially when you can see the writing on the wall that Payton did not care about where he was going. He, he wanted a good deal for what he was getting. And he wanted almost, it seems, I think he's trying to get a good deal for the saints to help them out. I really honestly do. I think he's trying to get a good deal around him so that the saints can be brought back into relevancy. So I'm just happy that Tepper, you know, didn't, didn't continue to entertain that in the second rounds. Well, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think he hit, hit, hit something in too. You know, he talked to Harbaugh. He didn't have to give him as much for Harbaugh, but then you had to deal with Harbaugh's mentality and what it, the, the, the rumor wheel was about him in San Francisco he was almost Michael Singletary in, in the way that he kind of dictated his coaching staff and the way the players played. So that one was kind of going to rub the players, I think, that we have in play the wrong way. You talk about Sean Payton. You talk about Sean Payton trying to set up a deal uh, for, the, for, for the Saints. I think one thing about that is we would have mortgaged more than our future trying to get Sean Payton. You talk about relevancy. We wouldn't have been relevant for another five to six to seven years if we would have gone in with Peyton, we would have given up way too much. And I truly don't think the, the Saints would have probably dated us until it was time to go to the prom and they would have said, nah, we're good. We're going to go with the homies. So that that wasn't going to be anything that was going to be beneficial for us long term. I think the one thing that we do gain in this situation is that we do have an offensive-minded person who has won a Super Bowl ring. We do have an offensive-minded person who has who's been proven to be able to be kind of a quarterback whisperer, you know, and, and has been able to bring the best out of Carson Wentz, who is now floundering. He had Jacoby Brissett balling out when he was up at the Colts. Again, he had Phillip Rivers. He helped Peyton Manning. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see his work with Andrew Luck the way we wanted to because Andrew Luck retired on him, but I think we would have brought Andrew Luck along. So if we're talking about going out, drafting a quarterback or looking for a young talent, on that offensive side of the ball. We have somebody in place on paper that seems like he can bring that to fruition. I will say this though, Jack, and I'm going to be the first to say this, and this is now January 26, 2023. Let this man come out and be 0-3. We're going to have a whole nother discussion come week four, and we're going to be touting where is Steve Wilkes and why wasn't Wilkes hired. But that's just an underlying thing that he's going to have to compete against, which is why I also believe that they did respect Wilkes in a certain kind of a way, whether how odd it may look, they did respect him and not asking him to come and work as the DC underneath right. Because already there was a smack in the face. And let's be 100% honest, back about what was it, two or three weeks ago we had, we did this cast and we were talking, 
and Frank Reich's daughter was hired into the marketing side of the business. That should have been. I mean, that was kind of the telltale sign, right? You put they put that video out today, you know, the with the with the little action figure of Reich as a, as a player. Uh, you, that takes time to make. That thing you don't just put that together in in four oh, or five yeah. hours after this. I mean, they put it out, you know, twenty five minutes later. That that takes time to make. They had the decision. I think. I don't think before the second round of interviews. I think it was that second round of interviews that had to have given Reich the gig because again, if reports are to be believed, it seemed that Reich came in with not a wish list of who we'd want because we know we know uh, according to reports that. You know that Wilkes had a list of guys he wanted to put in the coordinator positions that he was going to pitch to him. Now, whether he actually talked to those people or they were feasible, that's left to be known. Now, from what it seems, Reich actually had talked to, was already interviewing, you know, or not interviewing, but reaching out to potential coordinator uh, candidates and went in to that. And knowing that he had that in his belt, I think that probably impressed Tepper a lot. And to say that, okay, you've done your homework, you want this together. So, we're going to that that was the final, you know, the the final cherry on top to give it. I'll say though about the starting slow, I think that, you know, that's something that would have happened regardless because if if Wilkes got the job and he starts 0 and 3, you've had this whole offseason to get together now. The players have been behind you. What happened? You know, you've lost all this momentum. I think that the slow start is going to come regardless because whenever like no matter what happens like we have to be pre- prepared for a slow start because like michael saying here frank reich had had those slower starts um but what you have to be prepared for is the fact that we're going to be going in with a fresh offensive coordinator which lord hopes that we'll be hiring him before the month is out at least i would hope i would hope in the next you know by the or i'm sorry by valentine's day at the end of february at least then we I would imagine with this hiring, I mean, it tells me what I need to know about Tepper and what his ideas are right now. It tells me that they are going to have a new quarterback under center come, you know, come the start of the season. So you're already going to, that's another variable. And whether or not that's after the draft or it's before the draft or it's, you know, halfway through the, you know, the, the off season, that's another variable that got to throw in there. And then you're going to more than likely have a new defensive coordinator. I mean, you're obviously going to have a new defensive coordinator coordinator as well because Holcomb's not going to stay I mean they're all already taken off of the website you know all their their profiles then that's McAdoo Wilkes all of them so there's gonna be a lot of variables so I think it's gonna be a slow start that first month is gonna be rough and what it's really gonna come down to what's really gonna come down to especially for Frank is that how do you rally through the end of that how do you cultivate a team that can be successful without you know the play the pieces in place to be good. The one thing I will say is I'm very, very happy, honestly, that we got that we don't have McCaffrey anymore. Now you can say which and I'll explain why. You can say what you will about how he's performed and what he's doing in the playoffs right now. And you can be spiteful all you want. And you can say it's a weird move to hope that he does well. I hope that he does well because I would like to see him do well. I don't I, if that makes me odd to say, so be it. What I'll say though about it is that I'm happy we don't have him because you saw how kind of marginalizing that offense was with Jonathan Taylor and what happened when Jonathan Taylor went down when he was out, when he was not healthy, couldn't get a word in edgewise from that offense. And so I think you could have seen a similar situation off of another, you know, health impaired running back in Christian McCaffrey. I think you could have seen a similar crutch develop in McCaffrey. So I'll be interested to see how, what kind of offense Frank brings to the team you know it's going to be i think a little bit different than our offenses in the past because we've had defensive minded coaches so we've been more run heavy i'll be interested to see if it takes more of a a turn towards a pass heavy offense yeah yeah well first and foremost i think i think you make a great point 
you know, not having Christian McCaffrey as a new coach coming in, you don't necessarily have to build your offense around him. And that was proven after Rule left and, and we were able to trade him away. And, and to your point, I wish him all the best. I actually want him to get a ring this year. Um, I miss him, but our offense even thrived even more when he was out of it, right? We talked about this throughout the back half of the season. Um, it really showed you the tools we had in our tool bag. Again, Dante Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, you know, they came out and they did work for us. You know, you can't take anything away from those guys. And I really hope that both of them thrive in this Frank Reich offense. I think also with Frank Reich coming in, I think you're going to see the passing game be a lot more uh, fresh, right? We're not going to keep doing the same old screens and, and trying to do these quick these quick uh, end of rounds with our receivers, right? Um, if you look at the offense that he ran it with the Colts, he had a better – he had T.Y. Hilton and he had – he had uh, I can't think of the other guy on the other side of T.Y. then. But uh, he Michael had Pittman. a pretty uh, – yeah. yeah. It might have been Michael Pittman, right. And he, and he had a pretty decent tight end. So he was able to move the ball around to open up that run game from Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think Jonathan Taylor's had a season since – like he's had since Reich has left. Um, so, you know, you take all those factors into consideration. I think that that bodes well. You – touched on something I did want to discuss, and that's the defensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know who Frank Reich is going to tap for that, but we need to be very cautious in how we do that and we approach that. Um, I don't want to bring in, because as far as I can recall, when Reich was the hel at the helm at the Indianapolis Colts, I don't remember their defense being that dominant. Not nasty. I mean, we've got the nasty players to play in our system that we had with Wilkes, but do will they still thrive in the same way in whatever Wright brings to the table with his coaching staff? Um, so, that's something that I'm, I'm questioning uh, in a large way. So I think they're – I would actually say their defense was pretty pretty stout at times. You think about the guys, especially that they had on their team – you know, they had, they were able to do good with some good, with some better guys. I mean, Gilmore was out there still playing like an all pro and it wasn't just because he went to, you know, because it's, I mean, it's A, it's because it's Gilmore and B, it's because he, he went to a place where he could do so. I think that the best case scenario, and I don't know what they talked about, uh, they talked about Vic for uh, OC, Sri uh, Jean, I'm going to hope I pronounced that right. You hit the nail right on the head. That would be one thing. But then also uh, Gus Bradley. Was a name that I've been throwing, I've been hearing throwing around. He has ties to fit both Fitterer and has ties to Frank Reich, and that would be, I think, your ideal pairing to put that together because that, to me, would then because that's like you said, I'm a little worried about the defense falling off, and we're not at a time right now. You need a coordinator that, with all these younger guys, can come in and still keep their progression along. I mean, that was the whole issue because Tepper and Rule loved that. They wanted that, you know, young guy they could cultivate, and that's why we kept Yatera mm -hmm. Gross Matos and drafted him in the freaking first place over Justin Fields, but we're not going to talk about that. I'm sorry, not Justin Fields, uh, over Jalen Hurts, but mm -hmm. they got him and then kept him because they figured he would be better than Hassan Reddick, and we could keep him and develop him instead of Hassan Reddick, and Lord knows that went well. So <laughs> I'm hoping, you know, either, either Vic Fangio I could see or I could see Gus Bradley. Um, and, and that's going to be, I, I honestly hope he puts his, he picks his defensive coordinator first. I, it doesn't necessarily carry a whole lot of weight either way, but I would, as a chess, you know, a chess match kind of thing strategically, I'd like to see him go defensive coordinator first. So it shows that he's trying to still put emphasis on that. You know, his offensive coordinator yeah, yeah, yeah. is obviously a crucial one. Um, 
but I think that defensively as well, that's going to need to be something where he can take it and run with it because you can be an offensive-minded coach all you want, but with the young guys that we have on defense where we have virtually no veteran leadership outside of Shaq and, and Xavier Woods, you need a guy, head coach, that can rally them. I think, yeah. you know, that was one of the issues with Al Holcomb was that there wasn't that veteran leadership as a defensive coordinator. There was the familiarity there, but there wasn't really the, you know, the leadership there and that you could see the deterrence in the defense, what it would fall apart towards the end. We saw that, you know, especially that Buccaneers game. And I think that, like we said, was the final nail on the coffin because of how that game ended. So I think you need to make sure you have a guy out there who can be a leader for this defense because it's not going to come from you now. You know, Frank has, for all of his, his, his highs, I think does have, you know, he's a, a bit of a more stoic guy. And so is Wilkes, though. So it's not, you know, I mean, it's it's something that Panthers head coaches have tend to had. But it will be interesting to see what an offensive-minded head coach means for the Panthers. It will be interesting yeah. to see how that, especially with the guys that we have right now. And it'll be interesting to see what Fitterer does in free agency and in the draft. Oh no questions. And I, I think certainly, I think certainly all those all those are factors. But one thing I do want to touch on, let's talk about our owner and you know the fact that he's had five coaches in his short ownership regime. Um, he's twenty nine and fifty three for a record. He's zero and five to make it to the postseason. And to be frank with you, and and, and we can't we can't we can't shade over this. This whole point about, you know, quote unquote, the Rooney rule. I mean, he did his due diligence. He did everything. But at the end of the day, you know, with everything being touted for that, the black eye does fall on the organization when it comes to that. Now, it remains to be seen. Did we have the best coach for our organization? Right. At the end of the day, that's what you want from an owner. But Tepper's record right now as an owner from a one to five. I mean, he's he's teetering right on that one if not below a one, just based on his relationships with the city, his relationships with our neighboring state, his relationships not only with with that piece, but also with just the coaching staff and the decisions that he's made. So this decision with Frank Wright could be, A, take him over to the the, the lighter side of things and making a, a, a amends with, with the city and with the fan base, or B, be one of those things where we all look at him when he hired Matt Fool and put us in the predicament we had with Matt Fool and the Temple football organization that he was putting together. So to me, this is much more of an indictment on Tepper's regime as an owner and to see what comes of it. Because right now he's not, he doesn't have a very good batting average and he's not, he's not bringing the city together as a whole from a winning perspective. He hasn't put, quote unquote, a good product on the field, except for when Wilkes was at the helm, if you ask me. So, I mean, he's got a lot of ground to make up. And I'm hoping as a fan first, that Wright can bring that back. And 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 the fact of the matter is, you know, Wright wasn't a, a run around for the keep pounding mantra, right? He was back with Kerry Collins. So that whole piece of how we've identified ourselves leaves with Wilkes. So that's something too. Tepper's going to definitely have to tap into and bring back and, and to show it front and center. And 
you, and you hit a couple of great points there and I'll kind of r- rattle them off. I mean, you talk about the head coaches and, and, and ownership. And if you want to be really depressed about the state of ownership for Charlotte sports, I'll tell you that five coaches in his tenure now, be it two of them being interim as well. That sure. is one more than the Charlotte Hornets have had since Michael Jordan has bought the team. And that is crazy enough in and of itself. Now, granted, there's been different, there's been about three different times or two different, there's been five different head coaches, one of them being the same guy and Steve Clifford going twice, but four more, there, that's one more head coach than the Charlotte Hornets have had since 2010. And Tepper has done that since 2020. So do the math there, take that how you will. I mean, we talk about it and you, you, you talked about it a little bit there too. I think that, like I said, had it have been Sean Payton, Shane Steichen, I could have understood, you know, Ben Johnson, I can understand. Had it been Sean Payton, that to me would have been, okay, you don't care about really the city or the sports. I understand people want to say what they want to say about Sean Payton. You can make your piece. But from a team perspective, it's just I could not have stomached doing that, no matter how much he is brought to the table. You can say what you want about him. You can say what you want about Drew Brees. They still only got one of these. They still only got one of these. And they only made it another time if i'm if i'm remembering correctly in his tenure so they got and that's of course one more than we have but either either way i would not have wanted to give that money you could then you would have seen that you know from a business perspective would have been a bad move and then from a fan perspective and a city perspective again i there was a lot more cons than pros in my mind so the fact that he took the time to iron it out and still went with the guy that has ties to the city i think shows positive growth in tepper and maybe that was Nicole that brought it on and smacked some sense into him and said, you got to do something that's going to make these people happy because you have not done so other than two or three times to pacify the people and bringing Cam back or, you know, doing bringing the Charlotte FC, but then you've still managed to mess up those scenarios. So that's kind of a wash. Um, and Jason, you can talk more about it and I can, you know, mention it as I will. You have, I mean, you don't want to believe that there was a sole reason, you know, why that he, he was judged a bit harsher than other candidates, but you have to think about it at least a little bit. And for me, you know, you could say what you will about, like I said, some of the conservativeness, some of the issues on your offensive inconsistency, but like, again, you took a team that was already dead to rights with a roster that people had just written Mm -hmm. off and it just traded away its best piece and went 500 in that time frame in a schedule that you, I mean, you had gotten past what was arguably the tougher point, but still not easy schedule in that and of itself. And he also spoke to literally what your team mantra is supposed to be, what the system is supposed to be. Now there's something to be said about the fact that we've always been concerned about what Tepper has thought the, the culture of this organization is going to be. And it felt like he was always in limbo for the culture. We always mm-hmm. clamored to get our old culture back. Maybe that's not the best thing for this organization. Maybe Tepper sees that. And knowing that Frank Reich is not necessarily different in, in his perspective, but would put a different kind of culture out there that still plays to what the city and the team is all about. So maybe that's where the final, you know, nail hit the coffin where he said this, like I could stay with Wilkes. He would speak to the keep pounding mantra. He's got the team in the city behind him. And he does have a, or he has a ceiling. He's got a lower floor. Or I take a gamble, that's a bit of a safer gamble, and go with the guy that, yes, might not be the exact right person for the job in terms of what the people want. But 
to if I if, if I if I want to have a, a culture of my own as an owner, this would be the guy to do that. And maybe that's kind of where the decision came down to. But you have to question, you know, if it was Jerry Richardson making the call, you'd have a bit more reasoning as to why it didn't go that it, it went to rank and not uh, right and not to Wilkes. But I'll let you speak on the rest of it because I, uh, you no, know, I, no, I think. I think- I think I, th- I think you bring up some great points, there, and I, th- I think you brought up some some really good facts in that. I think for me, you know, if you look around the league and all of the coaching uh, candidacies that were out there this year, and the amount of interviews that went on across the across the league, right, and who's getting hired for head coaching jobs, and this has been an issue that we've talked about decade in and decade out. It hasn't gotten better. That you know, it was pacified through the Rooney Rule for many years. And many people have gotten many opportunities. And then when they did get the opportunities, they were shafted like Wilkes was in, in, in Arizona, like Raheem Moore got in Tampa, even though he was much younger. I think he's a lot more uh, um, polished now. How Flores was treated in Miami. So all of those things play a factor into it. And, and I agree with you. I think, not agree with you. I think you made a point as well to say, you know, maybe he was judged a little bit harsher. And but the whole team was judged harsher. I think, moreover, for me, we don't know what was said behind closed doors. We don't know what Frank White presented as his plan. We don't know what Brooks presented as his plan. Maybe Frank White had his his ducks in a row and was like, look, I got a full coaching staff ready to go. That could be where he was and what, and what he put into place. And maybe Brooks had a wish list of who he thought he could get and, and didn't have anything solidified. That could have been a problem, an issue as well. I think the biggest thing that came across to me is – we didn't want to you what you just said. Maybe we don't need to go back to that keep pounding mantra. He can probably speak to it from a, a, a vibe or a mood standpoint in the stadium, in the locker room. But maybe he's moving it and trying to shift the culture to something different. And the way to do that is to get out of the defensive mindset and move into an offensive mindset. I'm not saying that Wilkes was judged um, unfairly. But what I can tell you is the process in which we've seen in the past kind of precipitates to that mentality. So you can't ignore it. We can speak to it. We just don't know what the hundred percent of what it was, but the, but the proofs and the pudding and the facts are the facts. If you look around the league, you can see how many minority cultures we have in place. If you look around the league, you can see who keeps getting hired over and over and over again, even the unproven people who keeps getting hired over and over again. So I'm not going to speak more into that. You can see that for your own self. It's been talked about over and over again. The one thing I'm I'm disappointed in, and, and 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 I think, like I said, it's all from a fan base mentality, and me being disappointed in the fact that you can you can speak to it, Shantice, he can probably talk to it. I've been screaming for Wilkes since midseason. I've been screaming for Pep Hamilton to be our OC since midseason. So that's just where my heart was. I was feeling real good up until about two days ago that we had a possibility of that reunion happening, just because first of all, I went to West Charlotte. Those are West Charlotte alums. I would love to see my brother be at the helm in the city we we all came from to bring that kind of home feeling back into place. But again, you just made a great point. Maybe that's not the way we need to go. We won't know until we see what 2023 has to offer. And and you you, you hit the nail right on the head. The worst, the, the thing that I want, and I don't want it to get this kind of treatment like, you know, like Cam got. Cam came in, you know, played a role and then had his obvious issues. And so we kind of just kicked him to the curb. And now he's, you know, now he's playing Madden and that's what he's doing at the time to- for the moment. I don't want that for Wilkes. And we've seen, you know, 
that was my biggest issue was that we had been, he'd been having these talks with us and maybe that was him putting all his eggs in one basket and that's not good from his perspective. But, you know, we didn't hear a lot about him talking to other people, which we liked because when he talked about Sean Payton, he was talking to every, you know, every floozy at the bar and it was like, okay, well you obviously don't want to go come to us. So we're going to stop, you know, giving this to you. I know the Texans were looking at him and I know the Falcons were looking at him for the defensive coordinator position. That would, I would hate. Absolutely. I would hate that so much. That um, cannot happen. That cannot. If Wilkes goes to the Falcons, Charlotte would be on fire. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be like, I, and, and also for a defensive coordinator position, that would, that would just make me so upset too. I would hope, you know, for Houston, I really don't want him to go to Arizona because like, if he's going to be successful at a place where he had an opportunity to do so once, I would have rather been here. I also just don't, I think Arizona is a dumpster fire and, uh, I would not. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to touch it with a ten foot pole. I, I see no reasoning as to why he would want to go out there, especially with the way that. I mean, obviously, the West is always so up and down. You never know who's going to be good or who's going to be viable, who's going to be playoff contenders. It, it, you can never tell. I just wouldn't want him to go there. I think Houston. I think that he would not necessarily be successful there, but it'd be at least an opportunity, and they seem to you know, be not only, they seem to be pretty aggressive with how they do things, but yeah, uh, I, I just really hope he doesn't go to the Falcons. I, I want him to go somewhere. I really do. And I'm, I knew he wasn't going to swallow his pot. And also why is Frank Reich? Would you want him to stay on when you have a guy, when he's polarized the entire locker room, I was hoping for the reverse. I thought maybe we could convince Reich to come home and take that OC position and get a little bit of remember the Titans going in Charlotte. I would have liked that, but that was, you know, a pipe dream in, in and of itself. I just hope he gets something because he deserves to be a head coach. I really do think so, especially when you look at the other guys that are up there. Um, yes, certainly. So I think I think Wilkes Wilkes has the respect of a lot of people in the league. I think if you hear from his peers and other players and everybody at the end of the season when they talk about how Wilkes was, I mean, you, you mentioned it, his stoic personality, who he is as a person, how he presents himself on and off the field. Um, you know, his respect and he's been touted as being one of the, the top notch guys in the league. It goes it goes bar none and without saying. And I hope he does get an opportunity. But at the same time, I don't want him to get put into a situation where he got put into his first time around uh, with the Cardinals. I want him to get a, a true fair shot. I just don't want him to be in the NFC South if he's not a Panther. And that's just me being 100 percent honest and how I feel from a from a Panther standpoint. Um, I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want Wilkes to be in any other uh, uh, uniform or or, or or paraphernalia in the NFC South if it's not a Panthers. But hey, we don't control that. We he's 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 a he's a man. He can make the choice that he needs to make for him and his family. What's best for him? I just hope end of the day, Wright comes in, he does what he needs to do uh, for our offense, and he brings in a solid coaching staff. We need a solid coaching staff, and he needs to draft well. So now we're going to see what he really is, what he really, what he's really about coming up here in June and July. I agree, and I, I, like I said, I hope that he's not the one making the final decisions as well. I hope you know it comes from a different perspective where it's more so Fitterer taking the reins. I'll be interested to see how that connection works between the two of them. I'll also be interested to see how it's going to work. You know, I was happy again too. We talked about it, and it was a four-year deal. I think that was a great way to go about it. Not your seven-year deal that mm -hmm, you gave to mm -hmm. rule for some ungodly reason. I can never, I will never ever be able to understand why. But you know, 
four a four year is what is expected to be finalized. So I'll be interested to see if that's what it comes out to be, what kind of money we gave him. And then, yeah, I hope he just kind of hits the ground running. I think he's going to have a slow start. I think it's going to be slow going. I hope the coordinators are decided here. Like I said before, I'd like it by Valentine's day, at least by the end of February and definitely before a definitely offensive coordinator before the draft. But then to just finish it out, I do want to say, you know, we have to thank Steve Wilkes again for making us care about oh, football yes. again, because that would not have happened. You know, thank God it, the, the reign of rule ended and we had someone come in who made us care about football again, and he will have his stamp on Carolina football because of what he did. I mean, he already had a stamp because of what he had done, but this just further cements his legacy with the organization, getting us into playoff contention when we were dead to rights is something that cannot be overlooked. And so hopefully he gets that gig. Hopefully Wright comes in and can write the ship and can get us in and can get us in a new way, you know, and maybe put us on a new wave. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be remiss to that. I would like the, the mantra to stay the same, but if it means we have to find success a different way, I'd be happy to see that. But of course, all of that we'll have to wait for. And until then, keep pounding.